we started off this year uh, with a series on prayer called Ask. And we've talked about uh, what happens when we pray bold prayers. We, we talked about praying the prayer, search me. Talked about praying, send me, stretch me. Last week, Pastor Daniel talked about praying, lead me. And now this week, I'm going to close this prayer series talking about the prayer, use me. So would you just say that out loud to the person next to you? Say, use me. That's the prayer we're going to pray to God uh, this morning. Now, um, we hope you've been using the prayer journal that we created. Uh, if you still need one, there's still some at the exit doors that you can grab on your way out. If you haven't done it yet, that's okay. There's seven days left. Just jump in um, of our 35-day goal. And so we want you to just write a prayer out every single day, um, even if it's short, just asking God to, to use us. So I'm going to begin this morning um, with a story about a mom, um, a mother who told the story about how she had a son who didn't believe in Jesus. He had no faith at all. In fact, his life was a bit of a, of a train wreck. He was involved and caught up in drugs and partying recklessly and making poor decisions. And, and the crowd that he hung around uh, was equally depraved. They were equally in kind of that mindset. And so the mother would pray and pray and pray over her son. She would pray that the presence of God would break into his life. She would pray that, that um, somehow, some way, the Holy Spirit would snatch him from this lifestyle that he chose. And, and, and she would just pray and pray. And she didn't know if this would work. But in desperation, she would pray over handkerchiefs. And she would hide them and tuck them in places. Put them under his car seat and, and in his lunchbox. And, and in all of these places that, that he would, she would find them underneath his... his um, his pillow at night. And one day she had hid a piece of handkerchief that she had prayed over in the insole of her son's shoe. And she had just prayed, Lord, just, he doesn't even know it's there, but will your presence go with him? But little did she know later that day, her son loaned his shoes to his friend because he needed shoes. And that friend was pursuing the same lifestyle, maybe even more adamantly than her son. He was kind of the leader of this group of friends. And that friend had no idea who he was asking to borrow a pair of shoes from. <laughs> because that very day, he came in contact with the spirit of the living God. He got radically saved. He gave his life to Jesus and was filled with the spirit of God. And he turned his whole life around for Christ. And then it was he who led this mother's son to Jesus. Yeah, what an amazing story. That mom prayed this prayer, use me, use me, use me. And God was faithful to do that. And so this word intercede, you've probably heard it before. It means to go between or to act between parties. And, and we use that word in all kinds of contexts. Intercession happens uh, in, in all different ways. It happens in our court system. Lawyers intercede for clients. They, they um, represent to the judge all the things that the client wants to communicate. They go between. They represent. It happens in, in offices and in business meetings. Um, it, secretaries, they go between associates and customers. They communicate what's instructed. If you ask me, we have the best interceder in our office, Kim Graziano. She kills it every day. She's so amazing. If you clap for her, she'll be embarrassed, but go ahead. <laughs> But she intercedes for us. We tell her these are the things that we need. And then when people come and ask her, she tells them what they are in much more sweet way, usually. 
Intercession happens at restaurants all day long. Your waiter, your waitress takes your order. They go back to the cook. They say, she wants it medium well, a warm pink center, not a cold pink center. Lightly salt those vegetables. She doesn't like a lot of salt. Or my, I always tell people, I like my bacon crispy. Or anybody out there, don't bring me bacon that's not crispy. That's gross. All right, so you tell them, and, and the waiter goes back, and they tell the cook, this is how they want it. And then, and then she brings, he or she brings out your food. Intercession is a representation and a delegation of authority. That's what that means. So in a spiritual context, the first man that God created, Adam, was supposed to represent God on planet Earth. He was supposed to manage and govern and rule for God. He was put in charge of all the earth and all the animals and everything. And God told Adam what he wanted, and Adam represented him to the rest of the earth. Adam was a go-between for God. So literally, Adam was God's intercessor for the earth. But we know when we read in Genesis, Adam failed. He, he disobeyed. He, he was tricked by the enemy. And so, and so he um, didn't, wasn't able to be that intercessor for God. And so God said, okay, I'm going to send another human. God called him in the scripture, the last Adam, to do what the first Adam was supposed to do. God sent his last Adam to fix what the first one messed up, and that's Jesus Christ. He came to represent God, or if you read it, represent God. He came to represent him, to say, okay, listen, I am the intercessor. I'm the go-between between God and humanity. And the scripture calls him the last Adam because he did it perfectly. No one would have to do it again. He did it perfectly, and, and he did it better. No one will ever represent God better than his very own son. I love this story told of when a small child was drawing a picture, and his teacher said, well, that's an interesting picture. Tell me about it. And the child said, it's, it's a picture of God. And the teacher said, well, I mean, nobody knows what God looks like. And the, the young artist quipped, well, they will when I get done, because <laughs> I'm drawing a picture of him. And so in so many ways, not only Jesus came and he drew us a picture of God with his whole life. He showed us the character of God. He showed us how God would respond and, and what he would love and what he would do for us. And, and now we can know what God looks like through his son, Jesus Christ. And not only did Jesus represent God to man, but man needed representation too. So it's interesting because Jesus also represented man to God. He was like the attorney for both sides. He said, I will represent to humanity God, and I will represent humanity to God. Romans 8.34 says this, Christ Jesus who died, but more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So that's what we're going to talk about today, interceding. What does that intercessory mean? You may have heard of intercessory prayer. You may have heard prayer called intercession. So here's how this works, according to Romans 8. When we approach the throne of grace, when we come to Jesus in prayer, he is the go-between. Jesus goes ahead of us. He is always saying something, like he's coming up to God and he's saying, Father, Nicole is here to speak with you. She isn't coming on her own merits or her own righteousness. She's here based on mine. She's here in my name. And she has a few things to ask you. And I could just imagine in my mind's eye that the father responds, oh, of course, of course I remember her. You've made her one of ours. She, she's team Jesus. She's always welcome here. She can come boldly to my throne of grace and have her request known. 
And it's as if Jesus is that person who, who is representing us to God, representing us to God. He brings us to the throne of God. He represents us to God. And intercession is the work of Jesus giving us access to the Father so we can make requests. Hebrews 7.25 talks about this too. It says, therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. That is good news. He lives to intercede for us. He is not in heaven taking a break until he gets to come back again. He is not up there uh, hoping that we figure it out. He is working for us. He is working on our behalf. He is interceding. Now, after sin entered the world, humanity needed two things. Someone to go between us and God and to reconcile us to God. A savior to make things right between God and us. But also, we needed something uh, to go between us and the enemy. We needed someone to separate us from him. And so the work of interceding, the interceding that Christ does for us is twofold. It's uniting us with God and separating us from the enemy. It's uniting us to God and separating us from the enemy. So when we pray prayers like, use me, we are asking Jesus to take these prayers to the Father, to intercede for us, to, to go. We don't have to be worthy. or That, that takes away all of the pressure to, to make, your, make sure you're perfect before you ask God for something because it actually has very little to do with you and everything to do with the fact that Jesus will represent you to God for the requests that you have. So um, I have three kids under 10, uh, we're, and we, we are a water park family. Any, any of the water park families out there? Like, because you know, eight months of the year, it's cold here. <laughs> so, we, so we love to find indoor water parks, wave pools, twisty slides, lazy river. I send Joel on all of the stomach-dropping slides with our fearless older daughter. It's good for him. He likes it. <laughs> it keeps him young. And at every water park, we typically find what's called a tipping bucket. I think I have a picture here of a tipping bucket. You've probably seen it before. See that? If you've been to Splash Lagoon before. It's this huge bucket. It's 48 feet in the air, and it holds 1,000 gallons of water. And how it works is it fills up, and it fills up, and it fills up, and it fills up. And when it gets to its tipping point, it spills all over the whole place, and it drenches everyone in their path. This is how this works. Now, at Splash Lagoon, they shot a big horn to let you know it's about to fall down. That doesn't always happen in my analogy, all right? But every time without fail, when we're in a water park and, and the thing is tipping, I guess it's my pastor brain, this moment reminds me of this scripture. In Revelation 5, it says that heavenly beings are holding bowls full of prayers of God's people multiple bowls. The heavenly beings are up there and they're holding these bowls that are full of the prayers of God's people. And I want to read to you in Revelation 8. It says, another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people on the golden altar in front of the throne. And the smoke of the incense together with the prayers of God's people went up before God from the angel's hand. And then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar and hurled it on the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning and an earthquake. Now, this particular passage in Revelation 8 is talking about end time events. It's talking about when a seal is open. But if that's how it works in Revelation, 
then perhaps that is a snapshot into the supernatural right now. Because according to these verses, either when God knows it is the right time to do something, or when enough power has accumulated to get the job done, he releases the power and he takes the bowl and he mixes it with fire from the altar and he lets it loose. The fire, this is, think about this, that fire that the angel is mixing with our prayers is the same fire that fell on Mount Sinai, the same that burned the sacrifice, consuming the rocks and, and the water and everything else when Elijah was in the mountain in the Old Testament. It's the same fire that fell at Pentecost and was a flame on the heads of the people in the upper room. He mixes your prayers with his fire. That same fire that he mixed all throughout time. And then he pours it out on earth and anything or anyone in its path is affected. And something happens in the supernatural that changes something in the natural. And I just can imagine this must have been what happened when Paul and Silas in the New Testament were in jail. They're in the book of Acts and they began to sing praises late in the night. In heaven, the bowls were filling the tipping bucket was getting heavier and heavier. And when the time was right, God poured out. And the scripture says the earth literally started quaking and the jail door opened and the shackles fell off. And as a result, the first convert in Asia was saved in Philippi and the gospel began to make a penetration into a whole new continent. Because they prayed and they praised until the tipping bucket spilled over with the fire of God. So, so why are your prayers so important? Why is your intercession for other people so vital? Why does it matter that you are going to God persistently and often on behalf of your needs and your family's needs and your country's needs and your church's needs? Do you want God to use you? Then pray. Pray until something happens because your faithful praying is what's filling the tipping bucket. Your faithful praying is what's filling the tipping bucket. And maybe it will take 10 prayers or maybe it will take 10,000 prayers to tip that bucket. I don't know, but you do your part and you let God do his part and you fill that bucket with prayer upon prayer upon prayer upon prayer and you let God decide when to pour it out. But we know in the scripture that he is saving those, that he is putting those in bowls that angels are holding even right now as we speak. I believe that this morning when I was preparing this message that just someone needs to hear this today, that your prayers count. Every single one of them, every, every pathetic one, <laughs> every bold one, everyone that felt like it bounced off the ceiling, every single one, God is storing them in bowls. And when the time is right, he will add the fire of God and nothing, no one will be able to deny his intervention into your need. In Galatians 5, 22 through 23, it lists the fruit of the spirit. And one of the fruits of the spirit is what we call forbearance or perseverance or endurance or hang in there-ness, <laughs> however you want to process that. But when it comes to intercessory prayer, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. George Mueller was known as one of the most powerful praying uh, people in Christian history. And he tells a story about how he prayed for a man for 63 years and eight months. Every single day, he prayed for his salvation. And the day did come when Mueller's friend received Christ. And it was as Mueller's casket was being lowered into the ground. The bucket had finally tipped. 
his prayers of perseverance had won another battle. Even Jesus, the very son of God, spent many nights praying so he could fulfill his ministry. It took him three hours in the Garden of Gethsemane to find strength to face the cross. Even Jesus himself. And when we pray, God, use me, he is reminding us to be persistent in prayer. Not sporadic, not casual, but focused, consistent, never giving up, understanding that every time we pray, it goes into that tipping bucket whether we're seeing the results or not, that we're doing the work, we're doing the work of being a believer in Jesus. So there's just a couple important things I wanna close with this to remember as we're praying for others. These are just some practical things as we're asking God to use me. The first is uh, release God, don't try to replace him. Release God, don't try to replace him. Listen, we don't and can't produce anything. We don't reconcile, we don't deliver, we don't defeat the enemy. All we do is take part in the distribution. The work is already done, it's complete, it's finished. So our role is to ask for the release and application of the finished work of Jesus. Don't try to be God in those moments. His work empowers my prayers and my prayers release his work. His work empowers my prayers and my prayers release his work. It's nothing to do with what we can do, it's God working through us. Second one, real practical, add the why to the what. Add the why to the what. So when you are praying for needs, don't just ask God for the specific request, but tell him why you're asking it. I'm going to give you an example. Maybe, maybe you're praying for healing for someone. So you could pray, God, please heal my uncle of his sickness. That's the what. Then the why would be so that he could glorify you at his job. Like 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, I ask that you would heal him so he could accomplish all the good works you have prepared for him to do, which is said in Ephesians 2, 10. It's giving the what. Why do you pray intercessory prayer for that thing? You can, you can flesh it out with because, God, we want to see your will. Here's another example. Jesus, please help my sister come to church. That's the what. Then say the why. So she could hear your word and come to a saving relationship with you. So, so you have to say the what and add the why to the what as you pray. And you may even have to say, God, what's the why? Why am I even praying this? And I feel like the Lord will, will use that to help you focus your prayer, to help you pray more effectively in the kingdom. Here's the third one. Reflect on how God can use you. Reflect on what God is leading you by his Holy Spirit to do in light of the request. Maybe he's asking you to contact the person or write them a encouraging note. Or, or maybe they have a need and God is asking you to meet it. You might be the answer to the prayer that they're praying. You might be that answer. And so be open to that. Number four, pray requests that God will always honor. So in Philippians, Paul begins with a prayer over all believers, and he asks for three things for all of them. These are the requests. He says, um, Philippians 1.9, I pray that your love would abound more and more. So no matter how much love we have, our love can always increase. So Paul prays that their love would increase in depth and, and in extent. And he, would, he just prayed that they would love each other more, that they would love God more. And so when you don't know what to pray for someone, you can always pray uh, things that, that God is eager to answer. Pray that they would have more love. The second half of verse 9 says that they would have growing knowledge. So pray that they would have growing knowledge, that they wouldn't just know about him, but they would know him. And the third thing in Philippians 1.10, it says, pray for increasing discernment. 
The NLT version offers this translation. I want you to understand what really matters. I want you to understand what really matters. So when you pray for others, pray for abounding love, growing knowledge, increased discernment. Pray from the scripture, things that that God just wants to apply to us all. So as a community of faith, we have some just real practical things, some real specific ways that you can plug in to praying for others. Maybe today you're sitting here thinking, yeah, I got to... I really need to to get this more center in my life. I really feel like I need to focus on praying for others more. And we have a connecting prayer team that meets together and prays over the needs of this congregation and, and, and beyond. They meet specific Tuesdays of the month. We also have the first Sunday of every month, we have a group of people, it happened today, that meet in the choir room from 9 until 9.50, and they pray over this church, and they pray over the people in this church, and they prayed for you who came in and sat in that seat. They prayed for you today. And so if God is just prompting you to jump in and join either of those prayer groups, or, or maybe God is just asking you to get more involved, and we send emails, Pastor Don sends emails out with the prayer needs of, of the congregation. If you want to get just more connected to that, out in the lobby at the Next Step Center, you can go and just give them your name and information, and we'll make sure the leader contacts you and just tells you more information about it. But today, as Pastor Steve kind of set it up, we're going to practice this prayer, use me. We're going to do this together. And so we're going to do some intercession. And so a few moments ago, you filled out a prayer and a praise card, and I think I see that the ushers are ready back there with those cards. Um, so here's what I'm going to do. The worship team's going to come on up. And why don't you stand, please? And if you are willing to, to say, God, use me, I, you, you'll pray for the needs of someone else in this room today, that, that you will intercede, that you will go to Jesus on their behalf, and Jesus will go to God, and you will ask God to mix your prayers in the bowl with the fire of God and release it and do something incredible and do something miraculous. If you, if you would say, sign me up, I want to do that today, then what I want you to do is ushers, you could, or service hosts, you can come on down, and I want you to just raise your hand and as they come by your row, they'll hand you a card. Now, if you feel like, you know, that I just, I'm going to wait till next time. No, there's no condemnation. But I do want to encourage you that this may be a little bit out of your comfort zone, but to stretch yourself a little bit, or I'll re-preach the Stretch Me series, all right? <laughs> I'll go back to that one. And, and as, if you just raise your hand, the ushers will hand you a card. And what I want you to do is while we worship here this last few minutes, I want you to just intercede. Maybe you'll sit, maybe you'll get on your knees, maybe you'll stand, whatever you want to do it. Maybe you'll worship together. But as they lead us, would you just pray over these requests? The Father will hear them. And I'm believing that God is going to do something incredible here this morning. And so I'm just going to pray. Ushers, you can go ahead and um, if you want one, just raise your hand. Service host will give you one. Jesus, I thank you for today. I thank you, Lord, that You are so faithful. I thank you for the baptism today. I thank you, God, for the worship time. Lord, I thank you that you don't have to come, but you always do. And so I pray today as we come before you, as we intercede, as we we go on behalf of, of someone else's need, God, that you will take that request to the Father. And Lord, we believe that you hear us, God, and you're working, and we just pray until something happens, God. We want to be a praying people. We trust you. 
We have seen the examples of, of past, how you have honored requests. And so we come to you persistently. And we ask God that you would move on behalf of these people. Lord, it's in your name we pray. Amen.
pour out our affection this morning. I was informed there were more people willing to pray than requests that we had. So thank you for just saying, use me. And if you didn't get a request this week, just pray for people near you. We Every single week, you can write a prayer or praise on that card. And if you want informed of those, we would love to tell you them so you can pray for each other. James 5.16 says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So I want you to take that card home with you. Don't leave it on your seat. Put it somewhere to pray for this week. And as Philippians 1, 9 through 10 says, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. So in that, would you go? Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.